Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! WrestleRant Radio for Friday, October 14, 2022. Very special Friday edition of the show here today. Graham Jason Matthews, as always, joined by the one, the only, the illustrious, the man that was in attendance for SmackDown last Friday, Mr. Marceau, brother. How you doing, RJ? Doing well. How are you? Doing great. I was at Extreme Rules on Saturday, as I just mentioned. Friday for SmackDown, you were there last Friday. We had a very eventful weekend in both shows. I would say we made out pretty well between the two shows. Yeah, it was a fun time. It was SmackDown was fun. I thought the season premiere was a good one, and... And the Extreme Rules is a fun show as well, so no complaints. I'm still recovering, dude, because I was at that show on Saturday, and that was six days ago, but like the day before that, as I had texted you, we were in New York, the, the shithole, <laughs> where I had not been for a good, I don't know, I don't think I've been there since uh, the Madison Square Garden house show WWE did it the day after Christmas last year, which they're doing again this year, and I might actually, I might be interested in going to that, because those are always a fun time, but... Not a big fan of the city myself. Um, you know, just even being there on a regular, on, on like a, an occasional basis, even being back there, I'm like, this just isn't pleasant for me. But, uh, you know, we were there for New York Comic Con on Friday. Obviously, I was in the Mass area on, on Wednesday, as you know. So there's a lot of traveling. I'm still recovering. So I'm actually kind of glad that you said that we can record today and not on Thursday because my voice was still shot yesterday from that awesome Bray Wyatt return at Extreme Rules. I feel like that was the major highlight of the last seven days. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sat on my hands. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, who's this loser? But so honestly, no, yeah, you know what? This way, I was honestly glad I wasn't with the extreme rules. I might have been sleeping. I just can't stay up late anymore. I was like, I needed like fucking clips to keep my eyes open. I was like dozing off during uh, Rollins and, and, and Riddle, like just trying my best to stay up to make sure I could see the wire return. But no, I was sick. I was glad I, I, I was I was able to stay up. Um, Woke Molly up. She wasn't too happy, but you know, things happen. But yeah, no, I was sick. Like I said, I was just glad I was able to stay up because I'm like a grandpa at this point. I was gonna say I'm the same way. Like, cause we got back from New York Comic Con really fucking late. We were there like all day, and I told her like, cause I haven't been to many New Yorks. I mean, I've been to a, a bunch of New York City shows with her in the last couple of years since we've been dating, but. Um, you know, before I was with Alexis, I was going to a lot of like the Brooklyn shows, the MSG shows, the MSG shows aren't as bad, but the Brooklyn shows, because as you know, we were there for Survivor Series last year, dude, we got back at my place for at like what, four o'clock or something. I mean, it was crazy. Um, it was like 4am. It was terrible. I can't do that again. I can't, I mean, listen, if it was a pay-per-view like Survivor Series, obviously I would make an exception. Like Extreme Rules was the exception. I wasn't super high on the idea of driving there on Saturday with Alexis and we switched off and whatever, but you know, just a four or five hour drive. The Bray Wyatt thing, as I said on Twitter, was really what sold me and specifically her being the biggest Bray Wyatt fan of the world. I'm going to that show and I'm glad we made the trip, but I'm just at a point now where I just, I can't, I can't do the travel like I used to as far as like, I'm just fucking exhausted. I'm someone who stays up a lot later than you and I'm still fucking tired. So I don't blame you. I feel like you would have been awake 
if you were there with us? Because you were at SmackDown on Friday, right? You weren't falling asleep by the end of SmackDown? Oh, no, I was chipper. I was, really? I, I mean, I was fine on Friday. Yeah, I mean, obviously when you're there and you're in the moment, yeah, it's more like I was awake. Yeah, I was yeah. way more as well, so. But, like, Friday or Sunday, was it Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night, like, I was, like, laying in bed, so, like. I was just toast at that point. I only, I think maybe some reason I didn't sleep good the night before either, so that could have put into it, but no, it was a, it was a long night. Did you end up staying for like a post-show SmackDown main event or no? No, it was it was Riddle and Damian Priest, but I mean, like I said, I'm a, I'm a fucking infant, so I needed to get home. Oh, so you took, out, you, you took off immediately after the show was over? Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. We'll talk about that a little bit. I know we discussed it before we went live here, but... Your SmackDown in-person experience season premiere. Um, your first SmackDown since when? I don't know, since we win? I mean, when was the last time you... I know you were Raw last year. We've been to a couple pay-per-views, obviously. But when was your last um, SmackDown experience? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. When was the last one with a SmackDown? Ah, oh, man. Maybe when I was with you, I think. I don't know when else I would have gone, honestly, so... Was it was, it's been a while, at least. Like it, it could have been like if it's not with if it's not the time I went with you, then it was a long time ago, and I don't really recall. But yeah, it was a long time. Like I said, it was the closest I've ever been. We were we were on the floor, which was fun. It was probably a little bit closer when me and you went to that NXT uh, house show mm-hmm. in Boston that time. But no, it was a fun time. I thought the show overall was good. Had some good returns and some good in ring action. So I can't really complain. Yeah, it was certainly an eventful evening. Yeah, I mean, talk a little bit about that as far as the some of the surprises. We had a great main event, Gunther, Sheamus, Intercontinental Championship 2. Uh, that was an awesome match. But we had the, the, you know, the show was kind of highlighted by the return and debut of Zelina Vega and Legado Del Fantasma, respectively. We kind of had a feeling they would show up. Uh, Zelina wasn't reported until the day of that she was in the area at the Boston airport, uh, was going to be at the show. And she ended up returning alongside Legato, replacing Electra Lopez. Now, was kind of skeptical when I saw that on paper, but it only took me two seconds to realize and kind of, you know, come to come to terms with the fact. Electra, as we've discussed before many times here on the show, is just not that good in the ring. She's just really not that good. But I also have to give her credit, though, for her experience because she hasn't been doing this very long. She's not terrible. She's just not main roster ready, um, in my personal opinion. Could she be, I mean, a manager? Sure, because I can't sit here and say, you know, let's not... You know, we can't put Electra Lopez in the main roster because they have B-Fab there, too. I mean, B-Fab is awful in the ring from what we know in NXT. But is she going to be wrestling many matches? I mean, she'll be wrestling probably Zelina Vega, at least in a, in a multi-person match. Or God forbid we get a one-on-one match between the two. I have no desire to see that. But they arrived, they attacked Hit Row, and that's their first feud out of the gate. Uh, Santos, Joaquin Wilde, and uh, Cruz del Toro, the former Raul Mendoza, the new name for him. Uh, they all arrived as a unit on SmackDown, and they have Zelina Vega... I don't want to say is their mouthpiece, because Santos can talk perfectly fine. Obviously, it's not like an Andrade situation where his English isn't the best. Um, Santos, as we know, have been saying for many years now, the guy is great. He's the full package. His mic skills are, are exceptional. He can go in the ring. He looks like a star, doesn't need a mask. Not that anyone needs a mask, but you know he can go without the mask, whatever, because he had a mask previously in Lucha and in AAA and whatever, not in WWE, and the guy's a star, so... Um, I thought the debut was great, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can bring to the blue brand. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was perfect. Like, the way that it was kind of teased, like, when they were coming out, it's funny because they showed, like, a video package. It was, like, Hit Row walking out, and I did see, like, the Escalade or, like, the, the 
the, the SUV, the black SUV, like, behind them. And then, like, popped them ahead and, like, maybe we got Legato, because last time we saw them on NXT, they were leaving in the... Yo, I did not notice that at all. Holy shit. That is fucking... Uh, I gotta go back and watch that now. So I noticed that, and I was like, well, I'm like, okay, maybe we'll get something here. And then, literally, once they started getting attacked, obviously, you can see the masks and shit. I'm like, oh, there's Legato. My dad had obviously no idea what was going on. Yeah. Because he doesn't watch NXT, but I was like, holy shit. And it was really cool. But, yeah, if you go back and watch the clip, of, like, Hit Row, like, walking out. There's a black, like, SUV that's behind them with the lights on. Oh, man, that is, wow. And, and knowing how they've done certain things since Triple H took over, I'm sure that was intentional. I mean, there's a lot of things, like a little small details. Holy shit, that's a great observation. I gotta go back and watch that now. That's definitely done on purpose, I'm sure. Yeah, once I saw it, it literally clicked in my head. So do you think that, um... <laughs> they left NXT two months ago. That was the last time we saw them on the show in the SUV. They took off in that car on the show. Um, what took them so long to drive from Florida to Mass? And in the two months it took them there to get to, to Mass, at, at what point did they drop off Electra Lopez and pick up Zelina Vega? Uh, I honestly have no idea. I'm glad, though. I like, I like Zelina. I think she's a lot better than... Then Lopez, so I'm glad that they made the switch. I think it makes sense, too, so... I think it's a great use of not only, you know, replacing Elektra and whatever and having Zelina in that role, but for Zelina specifically, I think it's a massive upgrade, not just for Legato, but also for her. I mean, I think I told you this over text, but, you know, she's fine in the ring. I think she's one of the weaker women's performers they have in the ring. She's not awful, but I just haven't seen many memorable matches she's had. She's competent, is what I mean. And, you know, they had her win Queen of the Ring last year, the Queen's Crown, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they, she was tag team champion for a few months. All right, cool. But there really wasn't much more of a role for her, you know, on her own in any of the... Uh, hopefully no longer is she Queen Zelina. I just realized that because they were calling her Queen Zelina, you know, before she uh, took off earlier this year and took time off. But, um, you know, on her own, she's not overly interesting. The Carmella tag team ran its course. Raw doesn't need her. Not that SmackDown really benefits from having her in, like, the main title picture or whatever. But, you know, she was always great as Andrade's manager, and, um, you know, that just, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see her uh, back in a managerial role. I feel like that's the perfect fit for her. And she can occasionally wrestle as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was a great, great return, debut, whatever you really want to call it. And I think she's the perfect person to replace Lopez. If Andrade actually leaves AEW at some point, he just lost his, man- <laughs> he just lost his manager if he comes back to WWE. Just so bring uh, Jose with him. Oh, God, Jose the assistant? Yeah, bring Jose. What what was what would be your thoughts? I, I've always thought about this. Um, you know, Alexis is more for the idea. I'm not really super high on it. The pairing of him and Charlotte on TV. Now, I know they're actually married, and obviously they're married, so they're clearly in love, have chemistry, whatever. On-screen chemistry, though, I just don't see that at all. I mean, I just don't see that as an on-air pairing that, mix, that mixes, that, like, meshes well given their current gimmicks and whatever I just don't really ever thought I never really thought that would be a great idea but it would be something different for Charlotte if that was never happened though yeah I I don't I don't think that would work at all it'd be really awkward I feel like I don't know I feel like Guevara and Ty Melo Conti have like good chemistry because they look like they like belong I yeah, guess yeah yep but they have good chemistry imagine putting Charlotte with Andrade Alito like this doesn't feel like it fits like <laughs> feels like putting me with like Charlotte. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just doesn't, like you said, it just doesn't fit right. Like, it's like if you put Nikki Ash with Legato del Fantasma, like, it just wouldn't feel like it fit. Yeah. No, like, like Nikki it, Ash and, like, Killian Dane were great. I mean, they're married in real life, but they look like a great couple on TV. 
Exactly. Like that's how it works. They look like obviously like not look alike, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, they look similar. They look like they'd run together. Like if you were like in real life and stuff like that. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, it might be more, like kind of more stereotypically, but like a Hispanic girl with a Hispanic group, but like they look like they like they look like they would outside the ring be together. If that makes sense, like they look like they fit. So like that's why I think it gels better. Yeah. If you put like Charlotte with Andrade, I just feel like it was like kind of out of place. Yeah, well, it's it's not even the fact that like the sh- uh, that Charlotte would have to be Hispanic like Zelina Vega or anything like that. It's just that I don't know, just Charlotte specifically. Like it may work with someone else, but like Charlotte specifically, maybe it's just because we've seen her for so long without any like man with her. I mean, we obviously know she's married in real life. She has Ric Flair as her father. He was her manager for a while on TV, but she's been such like an independent female on the show for so long that hasn't interacted with any males for the most part that it would just be weird. And, like, her whole, like, I'm better than you, and not that not that they would be, like, the woman should not be, you know, uh, you know underneath the man as far as, like, presented and, and portrayed that way. I think that way should kind of be done away with. Like, a couple of years ago, for example, when Rollins and Becky were on the show, it wasn't as if Becky was presented as Seth's, you know, inferior partner. Like, they were equals on the show. Even if the woman was more superior than the male, that's fine, too. Um, but I think the equals part is key. I don't see. I mean, I guess Charlotte and Andrade would be equals, I guess. But I'm I'm talking about something that's probably not going to happen. But I, it's just curious to kind of think about. Just I don't see it really working as an on-air pairing. It would be something different for Charlotte, and I guess it is worth experimenting with if she wanted to do it. Because she talked about it a lot. I think she even mentioned it in an interview with me that that was something she wanted to experiment with. And I'm thinking, eh. I mean, maybe it could have worked. Who knows? And maybe it still could happen in the future. But not exactly a pairing on paper that just as as far as the television show goes because. Is she going to do the talking for him? I mean, I guess. I don't know how that would work exactly. I mean, he's obviously improved his English uh, quite a bit, but it's still not to the point where he should be cutting promos on his own. Uh, still no update on the Andrade situation, by the way. I think he's still on suspension or whatever. Um, you know, I saw reports that he wanted out, and he did what he did to Sammy Guevara on purpose. Did you even read Sammy's, like, response? I feel like he always feels the need to respond to these type of things when he doesn't have to or shouldn't. I mean, it just makes him look worse. Yeah, I didn't see any response. He was like, oh, I got to rise above the negativity. I'm like, just just, just, just sit there and stop. Yeah, I saw that. I did see that they're in, uh, him and Ty are in Brazil, so maybe he's away now too, but I saw that on uh, Instagram. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know if they were on the show. Oh, yeah, that would make sense because they, uh, they weren't on Dynamite this week, so that would make sense. Uh, two extreme roles we go, though. I thought overall it was a good show. A uh, six-match card. Uh, I thought the main event was good. We had a couple good matches. A lot of good to great matches. Nothing that was really overly bad. I mean, I didn't think the Ronda-Morgan match was really that good at all. That was a terrible. I wouldn't go that far, but, you know, just wasn't as good as I thought it could have been. Um, but overall, I thought it was a fun show, especially being there in person. The Bray Wyatt return was obviously the top takeaway. We'll get that in a moment. But as far as the matches go, Mr. Marceau, uh, what did you like from Extreme Rules? What did you not like? Um, I thought it was a solid show. I think the problem... I guess the, my biggest problem with the show is, like, people in the past complain, like, not all the matches are extreme rules. But then when they all are, it's, like, like, I feel like they're all the same at some point. Like, you can only do so much that's so different than other matches. So it's, like, a lot of them were on the floor and, like, all these different weapons. And, like, it's just, like, I feel like you're, as you see one of them and you keep seeing more and more, it kind of just, like, kills the, I don't know if mystique's the right word or just, like, the buzz or the interest. Like, when you see it every match, it's, like, okay. There's nothing different, so I guess that was probably my one big takeaway. Every match had a stipulation, and they kind of all kind of intertwined, like extreme rules and strap match and this, that, and the other thing. Like they all did the same kind of 
stuff. The ladder match was the one that kind of, I feel like, stuck out the most out of all of them. But um, I thought it was a good show overall. Like I said, the least, my least favorite match was easily Liv and, and Ronda. I mean, the crowd all sat in their hands. I don't blame them. But, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop there in that match. No one really cared. But um, I thought the ladder match was fun. I thought that was probably my favorite match of the night. The fight pit was fine. I don't know if it just maybe it fits better in a not. I felt like the ones in NXT were better. I don't know if it was because there was no crowd and just fits better in that like atmosphere. But mm-hmm. I thought the fight pit was better in the in in like the uh, NXT like COVID era. Like I thought it it, it just fit better there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the scrap match was fun. The ending was kind of screwy, but I like that. The the Donnie Brook match was like the perfect match to start off the show with like. All that excitement and all that craziness going on. That was a fun match. And um, who else was there? Um, I think I hit them all, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that was all six matches there. You mentioned the ladder match. What about Balor and Edge? Did you mention the Equip match? Oh, Balor and Edge. I totally forgot Balor and Edge. I like Balor and Edge. The ending was kind of like, eh. Like when they started having, like, you know me and interference. When it gets to like the point that it's like over the top, like that kind of like deteriorated my interest by the end. But it was still a good match, I thought, at the end of the day. Um, that was fun. They had a, the, the beginning of the match was fun. The ending was kind of mid, but I think the story told with whole Beth, Beth and Rhea stuff, like Edge quitting, like it was a, that's like the perfect way to quit. Like they didn't cheat. The, yeah. That's what, like, when we were talking about last week, like the heels normally only win when they cheat. Like that was the perfect thing to do. Like, yeah, yeah. You literally have them about to crush Edge's wife's head in, and Edge quits, and then they still do it anyways. Like little fucking heels. I love, <laughs> honestly love that shit. That's like. That's right up my alley, so I like that. Um, so yeah, I like that part of the match. Like I said, the the extracurricular stuff and kind of against, but but all in all, I thought it was a it was a good match. I'm gonna be honest. I thought the interference actually added to my enjoyment of the match personally, just because being there. We've talked about this before, and the funny thing is that Alexis and I have now been in attendance for both I Quit matches this year in WWE between this one and the Rousey Charlotte one from from WrestleMania Backlash. But, like, I feel like the first half of these matches, I'm, I'm sure it was different back in the 90s. I've seen a lot of the early I Quit matches. I don't remember most of them, but as far as, like, when this sort of stuff happened. But I feel like in the WWE I Quit matches now early on, they have way too much. Do you want to quit? Like, someone gets a suplex in the floor. Oh, do you want to quit? No, fuck, they're not going to quit. I mean, why, why would they quit after something so simple? You know, they just they do that way too often. And the way that, like, the mic is on them, the referee puts the mic on them, before they say no, and they're like moaning and shit, and like the way they say no, people honestly, there was laughter in the arena for a lot of those like I don't want to call them near falls, but every time the referee would ask them if they want to quit, and they said no, like oh hell no or whatever, like it honestly came across more funny than it did like intense or whatever. For a blood feud, probably not the effect you're going for. That was at least what I noticed from the building. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like we said that before. We were at the one at uh, WrestleMania Backlash yeah. in Charlotte. It is weird because it's like you said, like. They're just, like, moaning and yelling, and you're like, ugh, this is terrible. Yeah, and it's just, like, quiet, and, like, it's not like people are like, oh, quit, quit, oh, no, don't quit, like, but they do it so often, it's like it loses its effect after, like, the fifth or sixth time, and I'm being generous when I say that, Um, (laughs) you know, like, they should probably wait until after someone gets a spear through a chair, or they're being choked out, like, you get a fucking, you know, like I said, a suplex on the floor, or a... Whatever, a coup de gras. Oh, you want to quit? Okay, five minutes into the match, they're probably not going to quit. Like it's it's very silly. I know it's 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 different than doing. I know you could say, oh, what about like the near falls and when a match first starts and they do it like a regular just 
suplex. And what about the? Okay, yeah, I, I understand that, but that's a little different because it's like a it's a one two count. Okay, cool. Um, but like when you have the mic on the wrestler and they're like moaning for like ten seconds before they say no, <clears throat> it's more funny than it is like oh intense or whatever. So not a big fan of that. But I thought it picked up with the interference. Actually, people went nuts for Ray and even louder for Beth. Uh, I thought that was well done. And, uh, you know, the concierto to Beth and the way she sold it, it looked even better on TV. It looked great. Um, Balor winning was what had to happen. The only thing I don't like about this is that we talked about this previously. It continues the feud. I'm not surprised. I'm not even saying it's the wrong thing to do, but I, I don't know. I feel like I, I don't know if I'm in the minority or what, but this Edge, Ray, Judgment Day shit, I know they kind of freshened it up a little bit with what they did on Raw with the OC and whatever, which we'll get to momentarily. But as far as Edge and Ray feuding with Judgment Day, I can't take another six months of Ray opposing the Judgment Day if it leads to Ray and Dominic at WrestleMania. Is that a WrestleMania match? Sure, but I don't know if I can wait another six months for that to happen. They're going to have to do it sooner than that, or at least write Ray off TV for a while in order to uh, build that mania. Yeah, I completely agree. I think at first I was against, not that I was against, but I was saying like if Dominic was away from Ray, he would have to be with the group because by himself he'd be boring. Was like boring just to understand. Yeah. I'm glad what they've done with him in the Judgment Day. I've actually like that's probably one of my favorite parts, the him and Rhea dynamic in Judgment Day. But like you said we, I, I was hoping, I'm glad because we we were saying like Finn needed a win because Judgment Day needs wins. Like they get a lot of heat, but then they never win, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So I'm glad that they won. But now we get more of this edge stuff because clearly it's not over. So maybe, like you said, they can kind of work around and maybe they write Ray off TV for a little bit. And then we get like that return. Like they maybe they can have Dominic like literally just like kill Ray or someone kill Ray. And then he like, just goes away for a little bit. And then like around like February or Royal Rumble time, Ray comes back and they kind of heat it up again. Probably not Royal Rumble, probably close to Mania because I can't do like two months of this, but yeah. two more months of this. But I think that's the best way. To, if they're if that's the direction they're going and they need to write Ray off TV, can't do another six months of this shit. Yeah, and it just he he's made to look like a loser a lot, and I know that's the point. You feel bad for Ray and whatever. He actually won on Monday's Raw for the first time in many months against Chad Gable, but. You know, the, the storyline's been well done. I, I understand not wanting to take him off TV because this storyline is heating up with people. Dominic's getting a lot of heat to his credit, which, I, well, you know, I think there's a, is a positive, encouraging sign. But the storyline itself got old for me a while ago, so I don't know. And they'll probably wait till Mania. I just don't know how you dragged it out for that long. Mania's not for another six fucking months. So we'll see. But as far as the Judgment Day stuff goes, I will give them credit because, again, the group has improved as far as the presentation, the booking, it's actually kind of weird. I feel like Judgment Day is far better off at this point than Damage Control. I mean, Bailey lost on the show. I'm not saying she needed the win. I was fine with Belair retaining the title. Um, I guess maybe she walks into Mania as champion. I feel like this was her biggest test to date, and she won. Um, I don't know. Bailey lost here. She lost on Raw to Candice, which was a nice win for Candice. But you also combine that with like Dakota Kai losing to you know a couple weeks ago to Raquel in a matter of like a minute on SmackDown, and then you had Io losing to Bianca on Raw a few weeks ago. And they haven't had a single defense of those tag team titles since they won them. Like, the booking of damage control and the fact they also get no heat. It's been very underwhelming so far. A lot more than I thought it would be, which is very weird. Yeah, I mean, I, not that I thought they sh- that she needed to win. But, like, with how you said they've been booked, I feel like, I guess maybe we were just, like, saying. Well, I don't know. I thought, I thought Baylor was a, a slam dunk. But, I, I mean, I thought she'd be betting favorite. At least, like, the group, like you said, has lost a lot lately. You'd think they're kind of, like, trying to heat them up. Bailey beats her in, like, a ladder match, so Bianca never gets pinned, and then, like, you do something down the line. But 
them losing again, and then, like you said, then she loses to Candace on Monday. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's not like she lost, like, dirty. Like, she lost clean. Like, I don't know. I don't know really what they're doing with the group. I, I don't know if it was just, like, a, a first test for Bianca or or what. I mean, I feel like if not, it's just a waste of a group. If there was all that just, like, kind of, like, build up Bianca just to feed it to her. It's just dumb. Like, it's it's at the end of the day, it just doesn't serve anything. If we, they if all the group was built is to get heat on Bianca and then just don't lose to her, it's just a waste of a group. I mean, they have to get the win at War Games at this point now, right? They need some win. They I don't need know if something. Yeah. yeah, they need something. Like you said, they've lost a lot lately. Even like Dakota and yeah, like you said, they haven't just defended the belts. Bailey's lost a couple times now, so they definitely need something to rehab because I wouldn't say they're damaged goods, but you keep losing people just won't care anymore yeah and again like i said it just doesn't help that they're not in a position where they can endure the losses i mean they've lost um you know a lot of matches and they've lost a lot of heat as well they i mean i say lost but they never really had that heat to begin with so they're kind of in a weird spot right now but uh we'll see where they go from here uh, on a quick side note do you think there's anything to braun breaker and nikita Lyons being in the crowd for the show i mean i think it's just promotion for nxt braun can be up at some point soon nikita would be a disaster. So I, I would hope that it's just promotion for the show and nothing more than that. Yeah, I think it was more promotion for the show. I mean, Bronze case, he can come up tomorrow and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Makita Hines is terrible. So <laughs> keep her away from the main roster, please. <laughs> no, she's awful. What are, what are your thoughts also on that side note of all the crossovers we've, we've been seeing lately with NXT? Sonya Deville popped up on Tuesday. Um, I know, I think. Roxanne Perez, I think, is going to be on SmackDown tonight, as is Cora Jade with Raw on Monday to pick their opponents for the Pick Your Poison matches on NXT coming up this Tuesday. Um, I think that's a great synergy between the brands to give, again, NXT more exposure, more promotion, and uh, kind of introduce these people to these stars before they inevitably get called up down the road. No, I think it's a good idea. I, like you said, kind of get more exposure and kind of, I don't know, you get, like, like you said, basically at the end of the day, it is more exposure. I guess there's no really other way to put it, but yeah. no, I like it. I think it's good, and you're going to be working with more veterans, so you're going to get more, you're going to get more out of it than if you are facing more developmental people. If these are the people that they're seeing, like kind of slating as the next couple crop of uh, prospects coming up, you want them to work with like the Natalias or those more veteran wrestlers because then they're not just working with, like you said, developmental people. So I think it's good. I actually think it's a good idea. At least it's sewing it back in NXT. I like it. Like, obviously, there's the old alliance with, with Manny Rose. She's with Toxic Attraction on, on, on Tuesday. So I, I, I thought it was good. I was watching her whole promo when she was talking about, like, why she helped Mandy and helped Toxic and whatever. She never once made the reference or the pun. It was right fucking there. Like, she could have said fire and desire because she's facing Alba Fire next week. How could she not make that comparison? That would have been perfect. <laughs> you must have slipped to the cracks. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's too easy not to do. But in all seriousness, I, I like that as well. I mean, I don't think she's staying there like Apollo Crews. I think she's just there for that Alba Fire match next week. Um, but I did. Th- I thought that was a cool moment from Tuesday's NXT. And gives that show, which it desperately needs, more of a, don't want to say must-see feel, but more of a vibe that anything can happen. And then you can see anyone pop up from any show. So I, I like that. That NXT, to me, doesn't really... They're not really involved with the brand split, so to speak. I mean, the brand split's dead and gone. But, you know, it's not really involved with that sort of stuff. So that doesn't really bother me as much. 
Um, Ronda Rousey, new SmackDown Women's Champion, beating Liv Morgan. I mean, I know you are not a fan of that. Uh, where does Liv go from here? Does she turn heel? What's going on with her? And what's next for Ronda Rousey as champion, you think? Yeah, this is... I booed this match in my bed. I, I, <laughs> boo. I was not happy. I thought the match overall just wasn't good. I don't know if they just don't have good chemistry, because I feel like all their matches kind of just been mid and just... I don't know, this one was just weird. Like you said, like, here was a perfect example of, like, an extreme rule stipulation, but, like, Ronda was hitting her. Like, I hit, like, my little brother when I was, like, five years old. Like, she was barely hitting her. And it's just, like, I don't know, it felt kind of weird. Their chemistry wasn't all the way there. There was a couple botches, and, yeah. I mean, Ronda winning, I mean, I get it to a point. Like, she is a way bigger star. It's like if Brock Lesnar lost to, like, Ricochet, kind of wouldn't make a lot of sense. I just feel like the whole run since Triple H came in power with Liv has been awful. Like, I, I, I mean, it just really hasn't gone anywhere. She kind of fell off the face of the earth. The fans definitely haven't helped her in that aspect as well. But, I don't know, once, once Triple H regime came in, it kind of felt like she was someone they were kind of trying to steer away from. Yeah, she did beat Ronda, but I think that was kind of hurting the plans because SummerSlam really wasn't his show. And then... I don't know. I, I I feel like they like tease that she's gonna go heel, but Ronda's now a heel, so mm-hmm. she's just never in a title match again. And like, why would she go heel? Like, what's it gonna serve? Though. So, yeah, that's I the thing. Yeah, I'm I don't sorry. really know. No, I I I mean, she, I just I yeah I I, don't know. I feel like she if she turns heel, she, like, the Raquel and Shotzi are. I mean, they're theoretically going after the tag, the tag titles, titles yeah. so like they wouldn't be around. Is there is there any other baby faces on SmackDown? That's the problem, I and mean, they have a handful of women. But like, you know, Sonya's not going after the championship. Lacey Evans feels like she's just done. I mean, that just I mean, that's just, just give up on that already. Um, so where does Shayna factor into this? Does does she factor into the championship picture at all? Because I said she might have helped. She would help Liv retain the title. And then obviously we didn't see her at all. Um, I just feel like all the teases of Shayna going back to being the badass from NXT has got to culminate in something. I mean, that we haven't seen her on the show in weeks. It has to culminate somewhere, but like you said, now that Ron is heel, I just don't know what you do with her. Yeah, that's the problem. I don't know. I don't know what you do with her. That's like the other kind of confusion part because I feel like if Liv goes heel, there's so many heels on SmackDown already. It's like, where does she fit in? Yeah, the champion yeah. Heel, I was also looking at this the other day. I was going to text you. Literally, besides Bianca, every champion now is a heel on the main roster. Is that true? Ronda's a heel. Roman Reigns is a heel. Gunther's a heel. Seth Rollins is a heel. And the Usos are heels. Dana Brooke's not a heel. <laughs> I almost just hung up on you. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a very Vince McMahon no idea. To be a heel because there's nowhere to go because all the champions are heels. No, that's true. That is true. Well, if, um, if if Bailey won on Sunday or Saturday night, they, every champion would be a heel. Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't do that. But that is a very Vince McMahon mindset to have all heel champions. Though Triple H is very heel heavy and like he likes to build up the heel, so it means more when they're conquered. You know, I think we're seeing that now with. With Gunther, we're seeing that with Rollins, or not with Rollins, but with um, Roman Reigns, obviously. So, I don't know. We'll see. I just, I, I, I will tell you this: I do not want to see the feud continue. I, I'm so beyond done with Ronda and Liv. Yeah, I'm over it. I mean, we've had three matches. I mean, I know Liv won twice. Both of them are like fluky wins. Ronda wins decisively. It's time to move on. I completely agree. 
Bray Wyatt's back in the main event, or after the main event, rather. Um, I thought the execution of this, watching in person, then again on, on Peacock and on Twitter, whatever, was awesome. I mean, people knew it was coming, and I feel like that was part of what hurt the main event uh, with Riddle and Rollins, which I enjoyed as well. But the problem was that people, again, I could tell you just from being there, that they were already chanting for Wyatt. I don't think that was fair to those guys, though, because you knew Wyatt was coming out. I mean... There was no way he wasn't going to be there. They literally outright fucking told you at SmackDown on Friday, hey, this guy will be there. They even said tomorrow night or whatever the QR code said or the video said or whatever. They made it pretty obvious he was showing up. So I feel like to over, I mean, it was going to overshadow that regardless. Um, but for people to chant that during the match, I wasn't a big fan of that. The moment itself was great. We all knew it was coming. It was a classic case of like, you know, the CM Punk return from last year at AEW, the, the AEW debut, where we all know it's coming, but it doesn't take away from it at all because it's so well done and the crowd was into it. It's a case of where you got to give the people what they want and not swerve them and, like, have Corbin come out first. And, like, I mean, that's cute sometimes, but they should have just had him come out. They did. He said, I'm here. You know, the whole uh, Firefly Funhouse characters coming out in human form was really cool. Leads to a lot of questions. But, um, yeah, what were your thoughts? I mean, I know you said you were very excited watching from, from your home, um, but just uh, being a longtime Bray Wyatt fan, what were your thoughts on this and how it played out? It was good. I thought the execution was perfect, like you said. Um, and I think I'm more, the, not that it's a problem, but I feel like it led to more, like, what's, it led to more, like, what's going to happen with him and who is he going to face? Is he going to be in a group or is he going to be by himself? And not that it's always bad, but like you said, I also feel like him coming out, knowingly, like you said, it was basically like slopped in our face that he's coming back. It didn't hurt the main event at a, to a point, but I also feel like if you did it early in the show, no one would have cared about everything else. Like, yeah, that's a problem, exactly. That was the biggest thing, so it's like, yeah, they did wait to the end, but it is, it, it's like, it's kind of like, it's like, I don't even know how to say it. It's just kind of weird, like, that's going to be bigger at the end of the day, but no, I thought it was good. Um, I mean, it'll definitely... Obviously, it leads to more speculation because, like you said, people are like, what's going to happen next? Who's he going to feud with? Is he going to be on Raw? Is he going to have a group? Is he. And all these people are speculating. So it's good to get buzz, but uh, I feel like it also just gets people's hopes up that it's going to be something that it's just not going to be. Yeah, so. And then obviously, Bray Wyatt did come out, so it lived up to expectations. But with the Firefly Funhouse characters coming out, you see these reports now, and a lot of people speculating online. We talked about this ourselves. Potential group, Wyatt Six, Wyndham Six, that is his Twitter handle currently. Um, I didn't buy into the idea. I thought people were reaching a bit, but you know, the more rumors we hear of people coming back to the company and of people maybe turning heel. And I guess I saw this morning, you know, take it with a grain of salt for Meltzer, but Malachi Black was pitched to be a part of it, which sounds silly. Obviously, as an AW, maybe these, maybe this one writer in the writers' room thought, oh, what if he's free? Maybe we can bring him back in. Nah, maybe, but that was obviously never going to happen. But you know, everything else though. Kind of maybe points in that direction. Obviously, we'll find out more tonight before SmackDown, or at SmackDown, rather. He's going to be on the show tonight, which I'm looking forward to. What's your take on it? I mean, I'm not a big fan of another Wyatt faction. We already have the Wyatt family. This would be different. Um, but again, seeing the trademarks as well, I think Uncle Harper was trademarked. Now, why the fuck would they trademark Uncle Harper if they weren't going to utilize that in some form or fashion with, with Wyatt? So... I don't know, man. I, it's, it's really pointing towards a Wyatt faction, and I don't hate... I, I'm not a fan of the idea, but I feel like I can be convinced it can be a good idea with the right booking. Like, I feel like we have a lot of factions already between two brands, and it's another one's not really necessary if it's going to feature nothing but, like, lower mid-carders. So, uh, what's your take on that whole thing? No, I think... It's, 
Sutra thing, I will say, like, I am a big Wyatt family fan. Like, I don't want The Fiend again. So they do a group and it's done right. I'm down. Do you think the fact they showed The Fiend's mask on the commentator's table right before Wyatt came out was an indication like, hey, this means The Fiend's dead and the whole Firefly Funhouse stuff is dead and we're moving on to just regular Bray Wyatt now? I hope so. I was so over The Fiend by then. So the way he came out was like the older Bray Wyatt. Obviously had that mask on, but... I mean, he looked like the old, he had the lantern, and he looked like the old Bray Wyatt, so I'm hoping it's not The Fiend, because The Fiend by the end was terrible. Yeah, I mean, they just had him lose whenever it mattered most, the character just didn't really mean anything. Yeah, it sold a lot of merchandise, but I feel like whatever Wyatt does next is also going to sell a lot of merch, so, I mean, I wouldn't really, I, I just wouldn't use The Fiend. Maybe use something similar to that, use elements from that character and that era of the Wyatt character, but he completely reinvented himself when he came back as that Firefly Funhouse Fiend Bray um, I think doing something, again, completely different, whether it sinks or swims, is worth the shot. And if it doesn't work, then go back to whatever worked previously. I mean, that's that's always an option as well. Um, but it was a good show overall. Monday's Raw was a very newsworthy episode. Um, in addition to that, the also-season premiere of Monday Night Raw that was centered around the D-Generation X reunion. That was probably the least eventful part of the show. They closed out the show in a five-minute segment doing their quick catchphrases, um, no, uh, daddy ass sighting, obviously no Billy Gunn, though they made a quick comment about him, which was funny. Uh, Corey Graves made a comment about him being busy with office equipment or something, which was great. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a very good show between that, which was fun. We had the return of Brock Lesnar, uh, going after Bobby Lashley and Rollins being crowned the United States champion. That was a big story. And then you also had the return of the OC as well. So all in all, I thought it was a really fun show and one of the more newsworthy and entertaining uh, episodes of Raw overall in quite some time. No, I thought it was a good show. I thought overall it was a good show. Um, yeah, I had no complaints really. Like the OC, I mean, Molly flipped out and she's probably the only person that cared. But, I mean, <laughs> hey, at least, someone, at least someone's excited that they're back. Um, I mean, I think if they keep it as serious, I, I'm not totally against it. The problem I had with the AEW, they were like literally just stooges, and it just it was awful. So hopefully if they come back with AJ, which seemingly they'll be more serious and not like like in AEW at the point there, I'm just like, please get off my TV. I can't stand these guys. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully they're more serious, and, and I think with AJ they'll be fine. Um, but Brock coming out, I almost fell out of bed. I mean, I went nuts. Rollins winning the U.S. title was great. Um, I thought the show overall, the DX stuff was honestly kind of, like, it was not even anything. It was like they came out and said their catchphrase and they left. Like, all that hype for nothing was kind of like a popcorn fart. I don't know. My dad was pissed, and he was a big DX guy, so mm-hmm. that's his perspective. Um, the Judgment Day stuff's like, whatever. Theory's fucking losing again. I mean, I, I was not going to let this one go. I mean... Just take the briefcase off the guy at this point. Like, what's the point? He lost clean, too. Lost clean as a sheet. And listen, I complain a lot about people losing clean. That was one case where he probably should not have lost clean, or they should have done something else. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think he should have won, but I I don't know. It was weird. But yeah, no, I mean, freaking, he lose clean the Johnny Gargano. Like, you could have a Gargano cheat, or Theory win by cheating, or something. Like, the guy's lost so freaking much lately. What's even the point, yeah. It, it, I, and I, I heard you on hashtag, you're like, well, they like people are like, oh, they have the briefcase. Like, but that's not the point. Just because you have the briefcase doesn't mean you lose. That's like, that's like saying giving someone the championship and they just lose every match. It's just dumb. And I don't know if they just are doing him just keeps losing because he's losing to like Owens and Gargano. 
so like Owens came back and he turned face and so was like, okay, well Owens can't lose, so then they have him go over here and then they bring Gargano in, like, well we don't want Gargano to lose, so like maybe those two people, like they just gonna put him over, and maybe he'll start winning, but like he's not even he winning win- tag team matches though. He hasn't won anything. He's only beat. He's literally only beat Ziggler once in the main event of Raw, maybe two months ago. And the guy's been Mister Money in the Bank for three months. I'm almost positive that is the only televised match he's won in the last three months. And he it's and he just, wrestles almost every week. It's ridiculous. It's getting to the point that I'm getting like pissed. Like getting. I mean, I'm already pissed. I know, but like I'm getting fucking hot at this point. Like I just don't understand. Like why is he not winning? Like they, like you said, the last time he won on TV was when he beat the Ziggler. And he hasn't won a fucking match since. Yeah. Even on how he hasn't won a house show match since. <laughs> he hasn't won anything since. He hasn't won a match since fucking August. Maybe maybe he just keeps his lunch in that briefcase and there's no actual contract in there because I can't take this guy seriously to cash in on anything. He lost the... F- <sighs> just, I just really don't get it at the end of the day. I, I mean... I mean, he has lost, like, he lost to Owens on TV. It's like, okay, he lost to Drew via DQ. I don't know if you really count that, but whatever. It's so awesome. And then he lose to Gargano. Like, you can't have him cheat to win, or you can't have him, like, lose. Like, perfect example of what they could have easily done, unless they're just going to move on. They could have, if, if they're going to move on, or like, fine, whatever, he lost, move on, we'll move on. But if he's not moving on, they should have just had him, like, pretend, like, so that what they should have done if they're going to continue this feud he should have tried to cheat, and then Gargano cheats to beat him instead. Like the like the heels are gonna cheat, and then the baby face gets one over on him. Yeah, and then you have three win. That like he needs something. I mean, I just don't understand. I, I I have no words. I'm literally so freaking mad. I just this guy is a fucking star, and they're just wasting him. Yeah, but it's wasting also, him. It, it's very weird when you consider too that it's not like we have to keep Gargano undefeated. The guy lost a fucking Otis the week before. I mean, does that not make any sense? Why would you have him lose to Otis but beat Theory? That's just that's bizarre to me. It, it, it I, I don't know. It, it really bothers me. I, I think this guy is like world championship materials, and I understand. Like he should be like your future of the company. Like he has everything. He can do everything, and you just have him constantly lose for what? Like. I yeah. like Owens and all, but guess what? He's probably in his mid to late 30s. He's not the future of the company. He never has been. He never will be. This kid's in his prime. Like, put him over and let's go. Fucking Owens is 38 years old. Like, why is he beating Theory? Why? What's he going to do? What's, what's he, what, I haven't even seen Owens on TV since. Yeah, no. Gun- yeah, I just want to... I just... I, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like if Triple H didn't think that he's world title ready, which I don't think he is right now either. I think he probably could be in the next six months. Obviously now he's not, especially losing all these all this much. It probably delays that even further. But here's the problem, though. He inherited the company from Vince creatively. I'm not saying you have to push everything that Vince was doing. Like, that's just saying, oh, you know, he inherited maximum maximum male models. You got to do what he was doing. Absolutely not. You got to fix, you got to fix and right the Vince wrongs, obviously. But let's get to the next step here. Either theory... You start booking him. I only see this going one of two ways. You can't have him continue to lose. That is, it's just nonsensical. It devalues him, and honestly, more importantly, it devalues the briefcase. So why, why should I give a shit when anyone wins it next year, male or female? That's the first thing. The second thing is you either have him win more or you take the briefcase off of him. I mean, I think having him lose with the briefcase, with the briefcase, is the worst possible option. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know. Do you give it to Gargano? I don't know. It makes no sense. It's it's stupid. I don't know. They they got to figure their shit out with theory. And uh, I mean, obviously he's not damaged goods. He'll be fine. But I just the, the continued losses is 
very weird. For a guy that's not a made man either, it's not like he was getting great reactions every week. Like he need, He's a guy that needs the wins. There's people like Rollins who can lose constantly and it's fine, but he's not at that level yet. So um, they, they definitely got to book him better, especially with the briefcase. And if, that's, if they turn around and put the belt on him at some point in the near future, which I don't think they would, uh, maybe he'll cash in and lose the Roman and it'll be just one giant waste of time. Who knows? But I don't know. I would just run with it and have him cash in, you know, early next year. Have him hold it for as long as possible. He has it until next July, so there's really no reason to rush into it. That doesn't mean you should have him losing consistently now, though. Like, he will literally not only lose tag team matches, he'll get pinned in said tag team matches. That, to me, doesn't make any sense. Um, But you mentioned the Rollins and Lashley thing as we uh, wind down here. I thought that was great. You mentioned the OC stuff. I don't give a fuck about the OC. As someone who watched their impact run, they're just not very good. I don't know if they were never that good or they just have gotten, they've regressed. I don't know. Um, I'm just not a big fan. But, um, you know, that is what it is. It serves its purpose. I thought the Brock Bobby Rollins stuff was honestly perfect. Brock is back. He goes after the guy that beat him at the Rumble. It's not for a world title. His first non-title feud in like five or six years. Thank fucking God. Um, Rollins is champion, bounces back from the loss to Riddle. I thought everything about that was perfectly executed, and it sets up a lot of cool stuff going forward with Rollins and Ali. You got Brock and Rollins at some, or uh, Rollins and Bobby at the rematch down the road, and now you got Brock and Bobby probably a crown jewel. Great use, I think, of everyone involved. Yeah, I love this. I thought this was perfect. Um, perfect way to take the belt off Bobby. Like, he literally got the shit kicked out of him, then he drops the belt, because Bobby's been probably, if not one of the best booked persons since Triple H came to power. I mean, him and Gunther have looked dominant as champions. Same with Roman Reigns, but he's been having a lot of matches, looking dominant, winning. So this is a perfect way to, like, have Weiser just kill him. And then Rollins, not like Rollins just, like, rolled them up. Like, Rollins actually hit him with a lot of decent stuff before he pinned him. So I think this is great. Great way to for Bobby to lose the belt. It's not like he just got beat like by Rollins, but uh, and then cheap basically. He just got like he was just get the shit kicked out of him. Lost. So I love this. Like you said, perfect feud for Brock, not for a title. I mean, I have no negative thoughts about this at all. I, I loved it. And here's my thing too, because when they did it earlier this year, Bobby losing would have been nonsensically stupid. It would have been immensely dumb. But honestly, at this point, people are like, oh, the only negative is Lashley losing. Yeah, Lashley's white has a face, but that's the thing, though. He's so popular, and he's in a spot now where I think he can lose, and it's fine. You know, like, I feel like he's at a spot where if he loses to Brock, I don't think Bobby's buried. He's not going to not be over. Brock, honestly, let's face it, he needs a fucking win. I mean, Brock is Brock, but the guy lost to Roman three times. He also lost to Bobby at the Rumble. I think Bobby can afford the loss. I think Bobby's perfectly fine if he loses this one. That, that's also about the about this that I don't mind is Bobby losing. The same way a year ago, I probably would not have said the same thing. A year later, I'm perfectly fine with it because I don't think Bobby can, uh, you know, he's, he's lost so little this year that I think it's okay. Yeah, I completely agree. So we'll see. Um, last thing for you, a lot of free agents right now in the world of wrestling. Bo Dallas rumored to be coming back. We got the OC back on Monday. Mia Yim now a free agent. Uh, Chelsea Green could be coming back, which I can't really bring myself to care about, but you know, Moxley, Renee, they're locked up in AEW. Moxley sending a five-year deal. Great stuff. Renee now in AEW, which I think is very good as well. Um, your kind of thoughts on the free agency right now in the world of wrestling and how many more people we could see back in WWE and even AEW in the near and the not too distant future. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think with what we've seen so far with Triple H people are like, oh, they're just bringing all these people back. I think it's more just some people are going to be big-time stars or considered like Cross and 
and and Strowman comes in like you're gonna have your bigger upper tier guys Wyatt obviously and then you're gonna have some like nice hands they got Candace Johnny Gargano like Hit Row like I feel like what a lot of people like they're just bringing all this free agent. I think a lot of this is replenishing the pot. I mean, Vince literally got rid of all these people, and it's like now who do you have? Like you do need some lower card people, job people that yeah they might be on the show, but they're gonna lose their fair share of matches. So I think a lot of that is what he's been doing, like bringing in some some people like they're not gonna be top top stars or they're not initially gonna be that, but they're gonna be like just replenishing the main roster. I feel like Vince got rid of so many people like. They really didn't have too many like job talent or enhancement talent, so I think bringing a couple more women when it hurt, or uh, a couple more guys in the mid card. So I, I have no problems either way. As long as they have a purpose and they're doing something and they're not being misutilized, and and if they're of that like talent level, like Sarah Logan being another one, her being the manager of Viking Raiders, perfect role for her. So uh, as long as they have direction, not saying everyone's going to be world champion, nor should they be, but. I'm totally fine with that, but this has been great, Mr. Marceau. i got to let you go. Um, I'll catch you next week. I'll close this out with some dynamite thoughts after I drop you off here on the uh, on the phone call. I feel like I'm dropping you off at school or something, but uh, uh, great chat with you, Mr. Marceau. I can't wait to see you for Survivor Series weekend uh, next month, brother. Sounds good. Thanks for dropping me off at school, though. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Later. See you, dude. Mr. Marceau had a meeting, so I had to let him go, but I thought with 10 minutes left in the show, I would wrap it up with my thoughts on Wednesday's Dynamite. We didn't really talk a whole lot, really any at all, actually, of AEW this week. Uh, Usually, it's a lot of negative news and another brawl breaking out or this happening, that happening. No real negative news stemming from AEW this week, which is good. Um, I thought Wednesday's show was a very good one from Canada, from Toronto specifically. Uh, Dynamite on Wednesday. I mentioned this a minute ago, and it is worth mentioning again. Uh, John Moxley resigning to AEW, resigning with AEW for another five years. News broke last, uh, I think, Friday, late Friday. I wasn't around on Friday itself, but uh, late Friday night right before Rampage. Uh, That's a big, big signing for AEW. He's been one of the faces of that promotion since they started three years ago. He's a steady hand backstage. He's a reliable main event player on the actual show. He's had a great 2022 three-time world champion, uh, great spokesperson for the company. Not out there doing media all the time, but, you know, as a notable name, big star, you know, uh, great worker as far as very reliable. He's the work. He's, he's the workhorse, really, of that company. So when a lot of other people are getting in trouble or being suspended, involving in, being involved in brawls and whatever, he's one guy that you don't have to worry about being involved in that sort of stuff. So I think he's a great pickup for AEW, and they never had the worry, even though he was under a, you know, handshake deal with Tony Khan for a while, they never had the worry that he would leave back to WWE, which is a great sign. Uh, Renee Paquette, his wife, Renee Young, the former Renee Young from WWE, also joining AEW this week. Uh, we saw her at the beginning of the show on Wednesday. Another great pickup. Um, I hope they could do more with her than just the interview stuff. Even just the interview stuff she's great at. Um, I think she can host like YouTube shows. AEW doesn't have the same amount of content that WWE does like with their own streaming service and pre-shows and post-shows. Um, so I don't know how much of that stuff she'll be doing. But just having her on the show as a backstage interviewer, I feel like AEW has really lacked that um, so far. I think Lexi Nair might have been the woman's name. I don't know what her role is going forward or if she's still doing that. Not a big fan of her. Um, What's his name? Alex Marvez just seems like a nice guy. I'm I'm glad Renee's in the company in that role. Hopefully she could do more than what she's doing just from what we saw on Wednesday. But uh, so far, so good. But yeah, the show itself I thought was enjoyable. We opened with uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Great opener here. This felt like a pay-per-view worthy match. I thought they might save it for full gear, but it feels like they're building to a rematch of that show instead with Luchasaurus winning here, which I'm all for. 
Uh, great stuff here. Christian Cage at ringside in Canada. Got some heat on himself beforehand in a pre-match promo. Uh, really very much enjoyed that opener. We had Wardlow and Samoa Joe knocking off the factories. QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Pretty simple squash. Um, Joe, you could say the same thing about Wardlow, FTR. All guys that feel like they should be doing far more than they're doing right now. They were joined by uh, Ty, De- Ty Dillinger. Sean Spears afterward. It might as well have been Ty Dillinger. The perfect 10 from WWE. I, I, I had his face in my mind, and I, I thought Ty Dillinger for some reason, even though he hasn't gone by that name in many years. Um, but he came out to the 10 song, and he's from Canada, so we got a nice reaction. He'll be on Rampage on Friday tonight, uh, teaming with FTR against Brian Cage in the embassy. So... That's the uh, current lineup for Friday. I, I don't really give a fuck about the whole NBC Ring of Honor stuff. I like Ring of Honor, but without a real brand for this stuff to play out on with all these titles, then who could possibly give a shit? Um, I would rather see Wardlow and Joe and even FTR involved in a lot more than they are right now, but at least to get some on the show, more than uh, better than nothing, I suppose. Uh, Swerve Strickland versus Billy Gunn, fine match. Uh, Billy Gunn looks great for his age. I'm not a big fan of Billy Gunn being in the ring in, in 2022 on mainstream TV, um, but, you know, he's very over right now alongside the acclaimed, and Swerve beat him, and that was really all that mattered. John Moxley and Hangman had their back and forth. Um, I thought that was a great exchange, a great promo from both guys, uh, specifically Paige. Moxley always delivers. Paige, as Moxley said, is not the same guy he was a year ago from a character standpoint, even from, I mean, he's still a great wrestler, obviously, but he just hasn't had that same fanfare or momentum. He needed this promo. I thought it was terrific stuff in one of his better promos I've heard in Quite some time. He was serious. He felt fired up. He was intense. Talking about why he needs to win this match on Tuesday. And honestly, if Moxley hadn't won the championship just less than a month ago, I would probably think uh, maybe he could win because Paige really hasn't done much of note since he lost the world championship in May. You know, he mentioned all of his friends are gone and he lost the six-man title. He lost the New Japan title match back at uh, Forbidden Door. He really hasn't won a lot of note in the last several months. I don't think he's winning, though, but that's coming up on Tuesday, so great stuff here. Uh, Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Another really good match from these two. I still think their second match was the best one they've had in AEW, but this was still good stuff. Not a fan of the finish with Daniel Garcia turning on Danielson and helping Jericho win. I thought that was dumb. But at the same time, though, I get it. Um, The Jericho-Garcia stuff was winning me over. I'm still not a big fan of everything Jericho Appreciation Society is involved in. But the, the subtle story they're telling with Garcia and Jericho te- teasing tension has been well done. I don't know what Garcia's logic ultimately will be for why he helped Jericho. Hopefully it makes sense in the end. But the bottom line from a booking standpoint is that they want to drag out the Jericho Ring of Honor world title stuff for a little while longer by having him challenge and face former Ring of Honor world champions. Whether that be Jay Lethal, who teased a babyface turn last week on Dynamite, or Dalton Castle, who I think is under a Ring of Honor deal with AEW. So those are two guys right there. They could utilize Eddie Edwards from Impact at some point. Davey Richards is a possibility. He's in uh, MLW right now. That would be fucking cool. Those are four guys right there. I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of. But you also have Samoa Joe. I don't know if they, if they want to have Samoa Joe lose, but Samoa Joe is another possibility. He's another former Ring of Honor world champion. So um, Nigel McGuinness at some point, as other people have pointed out, would be fucking awesome, but I'm not sure how likely that is. But um, yeah, no, this was a good match. Not a big fan of Garcia rejoining JAS so quickly, but we'll see where it goes ultimately. I'm just not a big fan of them dragging out stories for so long. For an adequate amount of time, I get it, but like when stories go on for farther than they should, I'm not a big fan of that, but at least this serves a purpose. 
Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida beating Britt Baker and Jamie Hader in tag team action. Uh, very well-paced, good, energetic match here. Shida pinning Britt Baker sets her up for an AEW Interim World Women's Championship shot next week on Dynamite uh, against Tony Storm. Obviously not winning, but that should be a good match. And then the main event, Orange Cassidy becoming the new AEW All-Atlantic Champion uh, by pinning Pack. Finally, after all the matches they've had in AEW, like this was their, I think, third or fourth match. Um, this was very good, though. This was a really good match. They've always worked well together. Orange has had a great, you know, feud going with Pack for the last two and a half years. He was the first singles opponent he ever had, so beating Pack for his first championship in AEW, I like that story. It's going to get a lot of people annoyed and whatnot, and listen, I'm not the biggest fan of the Orange Cassidy character and his booking and whatnot, but you can't deny, even after all these years, the guy is very much over. He sells a lot of merch. He's over. At some point, you need to reward people with what they want and give the guy a title. If it was up to me, I would have had him win the six-man tag titles by having them beat Death Triangle, which they lost to Death Triangle a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite, but whatever. Um, I feel like best friends deserve a six-man tag title over Orange Cassidy being a singles champion, specifically a title that you're supposed to defend the championship on other continents, which Pac was doing very well, and they were airing the matches in full-on dark. It's a fucking lower-level title. It's not even like it really matters. It's like the equivalent of what the European Championship was in WWE many years ago. It doesn't even matter, but it was a cool moment. It was a good match. He finally won something. We'll see what he does with it, if anything. And I thought it was a good close to a very energetic, enjoyable edition of Dynamite on Wednesday. So we'll see what they have in store tonight on Rampage, which I think was already taped on Thursday. And we got a big SmackDown as well, so I'm trying to get the show out as quickly as possible before SmackDown tonight, which is going to feature Bray Wyatt's uh, first in-ring appear- first appearance, I guess, in general, uh, since he came back at Extreme Rules. And also the in-ring debut of L.A. Knight. Yeah! On SmackDown against Mansoor or uh, Massey or Mansoir, whatever the fuck his name is. So that's coming up tonight as well on SmackDown. So more thoughts to come on the world and wrestling, wrestling world, whatever, huh, coming up next week here on the show with myself and Mr. Marceau. We'll break down Raw, we'll break down Dynamite, we'll break down whatever else happens in the world of wrestling next Thursday here on WrestleRant Radio. This was a very special Friday edition. Thursday did not work out for Mr. Marceau. Um, I was not feeling well anyway, so I'm glad we did wait till Friday. But normally the show airs every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. You can rate the show, you can review the show, you can subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday or occasionally Friday. Uh, that being said, guys, you can find Mr. Marceau on Twitter at RJ underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. Check out myself on YouTube at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Uh, got a lot of new subscribers from all the live reactions I posted from being at Extreme Rolls over the weekend, so check those out. All the other interviews I posted since then and all the other content we have gone up daily. So if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And I think that is about everything. So I'm about to go see Halloween Ends tonight. Uh, probably... Halloween ends. I'm not sure if I'm going to see it before or after or during SmackDown. I'm going to watch SmackDown at some point. I'm looking forward to SmackDown tonight, but I'm looking forward to Halloween ends, man. I'm looking forward to this a lot. I really, I, I rewatched the original on Wednesday with Lexus in preparation. We saw the first remake together, that being Halloween, you know, 2018, not the other, you know, 90 sequels, but we watched that one, loved it. I actually really liked Halloween Kills. I, I got what they were going for. A lot of people did not like it. Um, I enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do when Halloween ends. I haven't seen any reviews. I don't want to see any reviews. I want to go in with it with a fresh slate. 
And uh, you can watch it on Peacock now. Most of you are WWE fans, I would assume. And you probably already have Peacock for the pay-per-views. You can watch Halloween Ends there. But, um, you know, I'm more of a theater guy and I enjoy the theater experience. So I'm going to be watching it at a theater very likely tonight. Instead of SmackDown, I'll watch SmackDown after the fact. So. Until next time, guys, I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Have a great rest of your weekend. And I'll catch your ass down the road.